to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Mack from Gotham Gazette. I'm Maria Dulles from the CDC. Thanks very much for joining us here today. We're excited about today's episode, and we look forward to bringing you some really good episodes in the coming weeks. Uh, I know already we have a book for our next episode, the chair of the Mayor's Charter Revision Commission, which wrapped up its work recently and has put three proposals on the November ballot. So we'll be talking with the chair of that commission coming up in our next episode to get you ready for the three ballot proposals that will be on the back of your ballot come November 6th. But we have a great episode before that here today. If you've missed any of our prior episodes, of course, you can find those on your podcast streams at What's the Data Point or on the Gotham Gazette or CBC websites. And of course, you should check out the other work going on at both Gotham Gazette and CBC because it all does not make its way into the podcast. So for today's episode, we're very happy to be joined by Laura Englin, the New York City Deputy Mayor for Operations. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us here. And before we dig into our conversation with Laura, here is Maria with today's data point. The data point is 45. The number of agencies reporting on their performance in fiscal year 2018 in the recently released Mayor's Management Report. Agencies organize their reports according to service areas and goals and present the indicators that allow the public to understand three things. The inputs, dollars, personnel, and other resources that were allocated to that department. The outputs, things like tons of waste collected, roll miles paved, or clients served by a program. And the outcomes, essentially what happened. Were job seekers employed? Did students graduate with regents, diplomas, etc.? The MMR is an impressive volume, but there are two things the MMR excludes. First, measures of citizen satisfaction with services and quality of life. And second, what the Wongs call unit cost. How much did it cost to remove each ton of that waste? Is it more or less than other big cities or neighboring jurisdictions? Here to discuss both how the city uses data to improve operations and the performance of key agencies is Laura Anglin. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So thanks again for being here. Before we dig into... uh, how you do your job and the operations of the city and and what your role is and some of the things Maria indicated there. Tell listeners, tell us a little bit about your background before joining the de Blasio administration. Sure. I've been in public service probably close to 30 years in one way or another. I actually like to tell the story that I started my uh, career in state government, which I was about 22 years in state government prior to this role, as an intern. And I like to talk about that because I really do encourage young people, especially young women, to go into public service. And so I am very supportive of internship programs. I try to encourage them wherever I go. But So I started as an intern um, uh, in environmental economics. And ultimately, that led me to a very, very different path than that. I thought I'd be an environmental economist for my whole life. And I wound up going and working in, uh, in the state legislature after that for for a few years and uh, learned all about government and politics and really started to focus more on financial uh, aspects of of government, where I was uh, the fiscal director for the Ways and Means Committee in the Assembly, ultimately became the budget director for that same committee. From there, went to be the deputy controller for the state of New York running the state's retirement system. And from there, went to work for the budget division as first deputy budget director, then ultimately budget director, where I capped off my state career after about 22 years. Um, Wanted to try something new after that, so I actually went to the private sector for about seven years, focused on higher education, which uh, was a very large passion for mine throughout my entire career. So I focused on 
helping kids uh, get access to college, um, trying to figure out how they understand financial literacy, and really advocating on behalf of students. So after seven years, I realized I missed public service. So um, the uh, Mayor de Blasio asked me if I would consider joining his administration, and that was about a year and a half ago. And so I packed up and I moved to New York City, and here I am. Okay, and, and now you've held two roles in two the de Blasio roles. administration, so if you don't mind you know, sure. outlining, and the one you're in now as deputy mayor is fairly six, seven months in uh, Yeah, so? uh, since uh, January 1st. Right. So okay. it, it's, uh, now we're about yeah, nine, ten months in. Okay. So I started as chief administrative officer working under first deputy mayor, uh, Tony Shores, who was a terrific mentor and friend, and Tony and I worked together in uh, the Spitzer administration previously. Uh, so there I was really helping Tony um, basically manage some of the larger projects that we were doing, also some of the agencies because his portfolio was expansive. I would say my, my work was similar to what I'm doing now, but what I'm doing now is probably at a higher level and uh, making more decisions instead of making more recommendations and working with Tony. So. I think I, I was pleased. I think this position was missing um, from the administration because I think operations needs to stand out by itself because so much of what we do, either internally serving the city workforce or externally serving its residents, um, is probably, I think, one of the most important things that we do. And I, I think it's important to have a team that's solely focused on providing the best that we can to the people in the city of New York. So how is your portfolio defined? I'll define it in two ways. Mm -hmm. I'll do internal facing and external facing. So internal facing, um, I have all the agencies such as DCAS, which is our uh, administrative arm that does our uh, purchasing, it does our real estate, it does our fleet. Um, and then so, and then I also have an, uh, one called MOX, which is our Office of Contracts, where once again, they handle the procurement issues. Then I have external facing ones that the people see every day, such as sanitation. Um, you know, one of the issues we were talking about indicators, one of the issues is cleanliness, and that's a big thing that we're focused on here in the city, and one of the things that I will be focusing on even more. And then I also have the fire department, obviously, uh, very important and, and key to, to the city, and emergency management is another one. So, as well as transportation, finance, mm -hmm. taxi and limousine service, so all those things touch different aspects of people's lives. So. Internally, um, I also do technology, so we have to make sure the city's systems are running and, and its IT is working. So I kind of divide the portfolio into that, into those two uh, buckets. So really, I mean, as the name indicates, the operate, you know, the really nuts and bolts operations of city government, and these are some of the things that, you know, really form the sort of pan of city government, sure. no matter what the other sort of initiatives of a mayor might be, it's a lot of the things that just have to happen and must happen for city government to function. Um, and you hit on a, a good point that I wanted to bring up, which was that Mayor de Blasio did not originally have a deputy mayor for operations, went the first term. As you said, Tony Shores, the first deputy mayor, had a huge portfolio, but they brought you in to also help help with that. And then for the second term, have sort of split that out a little bit and returned to a deputy mayor uh, for operations and, and named you to that position. Um, so I, I'm sure this is very hard, but how, what's a day in your job look like? I mean, what are, what are some of the things, you know, that you spend time reviewing or analyzing or you mentioned making decisions on? 
Yeah, so that's funny that you asked that as I was on my way over here. I said, they're going to ask me what my typical day is like. <laughs> and the only answer I can think of is I do not have a typical right. day, which I love. Because I have been in nine to five jobs where you actually have one thing that you're working on, and that doesn't stimulate me. I, I like to be challenged. I like to have things um, tossed at me, problem solving. So um, my typical day for me starts, I'm also a news junkie. So I wake up every morning and I turn the news on and I read all the newspapers to see if there's anything in the city that I should worry about that I don't know about. Familiar to everyone at this table. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, assuming that I haven't gotten a call in the middle of the night to tell me there's an issue because that obviously it's a 24-hour job, which, which is uh, you know, very key. Um, I get into to work. We typically will start with a staff meeting, um, making sure there's any issues or things that we need to get done. Uh, are there any big initiatives that are being rolled out? But most of the day is really problem solving, as I said, or, or trying to look at initiatives that we're doing, quality of life initiatives that we're working on and making sure they're staying on target. Um, a lot of it, since I have fire and emergency management in my portfolio, it's also managing incidences that happen in the city. Um, whether it's something at JFK, whether it's a, a, a fire, like we had a very large fire in the middle of the night last night. Um, so it's, it's really making sure we get the news, making sure that we know what's going on. Is the public safe? Uh, is there, you know, do, do we need to make sure the mayor uh, is kept up to date on these things, or do we need to get him out to look at, you know, at the site if it's a, an incident? Um, and then really it's whatever comes in that day too. So I, I can't say I have a typical day, uh, cause the day is, is endless, but I think I really uh, enjoy that. And that's really what keeps me going. So you, you know, you spent the bulk of your career in the state, um, and now you're in the city. And so you're sort of fresh in that, in that way. Um, both because you know, you're now living in the city as a resident, but also you haven't been in the, you know, you haven't come up through an agency. Mm -hmm. Where I'm going is you haven't sort of been ingrained in the culture of that's how we do things, right? And now you've also got the responsibility for putting together the mayor's management report and using the data. So coming with that perspective, you know, looking at everything that you've been tasked to do, is there anything that jumped out at you that you just thought like, wow, why is it done this way? It clearly needs a fix. Or to put it another way, where are you focusing, sort of using the data to make changes at the agencies? So I, I can't say there's one thing I can say I, that jumped out at me that needed a fix. Um, I think using the data is very helpful to us because, one, I think it also helps me look at the different agencies to see if they're working together and perhaps are there ways we can work together. And this is one of the things I talked about when I was first appointed. Um, at the press conference is that I really want the agencies to work together better because I think there's um, duplication in some of the work that agencies are doing. We could be able to use IT better to be more efficient. So I mean, a, a, a couple things like that struck out at me is that one, I'm not sure, and we just brought a new uh, commissioner in for Do It who's been doing a great job, Samir, but he's really looking at technology across all the agencies because we don't even serve, do it doesn't even serve every city agency, right. which you would just say. So, so there's things I think we can do, one, to be more efficient so that we can get our costs down. You know, mm -hmm. times are tough everywhere. Money, money is, uh, you know, the budget is always, you know, very tight. Um, so using technology, but also making sure that the agencies work together. And let me give you just one example. So let's take um, 
congestion. So I'm trying to look at congestion, which is probably the, the toughest thing even coming over here that I, I can't <laughs> quite figure out how to tackle. But as I'm coming over here, we see that one agency, which would be the Department of Buildings, is obviously issuing permits for sidewalk sheds. So you got two lanes taken out of one street with a sidewalk shed. And then on the other side, you may have uh, you know, trucks delivery being delivered uh, goods and services that really aren't supposed to be parking there, so it's an issue of, of enforcement. I'm trying to figure out, or, or it could be sidewalk repair. I'm trying to figure out how to make sure if, when we're issuing permits for work that there's some kind of central location that you could see that, okay, there's 13 permits for work on that street already. Perhaps we shouldn't issue a 14th. Or perhaps we should try to figure out how to manage it better. And that's just a small example, but I would love to do that same thing with um, permits for after-hour work at night because that's a big complaint is noise, after-hour noise. So things like that, I think we can use technology, data, to try to figure out a more rational way to do things here in the city with that, with regards to that. And each agency does a terrific job, and now we're just trying to bring them together and say, let's talk, let's figure out how we can do this. Um, when we're paving roads, right, we have to open up a road, you mill it, that's where you have all the bumpy stuff in the road. How do we get everyone in that road who needs to do something underground, whether it's Con Ed, whether it's DEP with, with sewage, to do it then and not do it right after we've paved the road. So, hmm. so it's just interesting things of coordination between um, outside entities in the city that I'm trying to figure out how to do better. And does that look like information portals that are more digital, or does that look like the right meeting schedule, both other things? So, so right now we're, I, I would say both. Right now we're doing the, the meeting portion of it. So, you know, in the example with Open Amp Roads, we have um, regular meetings with Con Ed, the other utilities, DEP, DOT. Um, but ultimately I would love to be able to have a, a portal where agencies can go in and see what work is being done where in the city, whether it's, you know, road work, whether it's construction, um, it, it, you know, it would just be beneficial for everyone to have access to that one portal. So yes, I, I think ultimately that would be my vision to do it. And I think that would help better coordination between the agencies. So what I find really interesting about how you just framed your remarks on this is, it comes from the perspective of the citizen and the resident and the person using the service and trying to live in New York City, right? And so I think, you know, the that is not universally captured by the city, right? I guess the best the best you have is three one one, and that's only when people are complaining. Right. So it's sort of skewed in that way. So as you know, we mentioned that this, the CBC did this the citizen satisfaction survey to get to that, right, and to see you know um, how New Yorkers felt about services, quality of life. The data were fascinating. You know, things like fire service uh, were rated very highly. Other things like traffic, just like you say, you know, were among the top complaints and universally across the city. Um, how can you better harness that to help improve and to help agencies think? And if you, you know, you were more oriented towards um, a citizen or a client perspective, could that help break down some of these silos and get agencies working and thinking together? Sure. And, and I think the agency, I have a couple of uh, thoughts on that. I think the agencies are being um, customer oriented. I just think for me, from a new perspective, too, because now I'm a new customer in the city. Um, which I think terror, you know, terrifies many of my agencies as I walk around the city on the weekend and take <laughs> so pictures. Refreshing, though. I so take refreshing. pictures and send it to them. I'm like, you know, this uh, city bike rack is completely empty, and what happens if someone wants a bike here? Yeah. And so I think, um, I think they don't look forward to the weekends as much as I do. But 
Um, yes, we were talking before the podcast started about the data and that one of the things the mayor has asked me to do is to really, in the second term, to look at quality of life issues from the resident perspective. So using the, the survey data that CBC uh, has pulled together, as well as data from 311, Twitter, other social media, we're, we're doing a big study right now or an analysis to figure out where are the pressure points, where are the main things. And interestingly, if you, if you look at your survey versus 311, it's quite different in mm -hmm. some of the data. Um, so we're, we're going to take that, put it all together, and try to figure out if there's a handful of really top things um, that people feel we should be working on. And, uh, and I think the, the agencies are very customer-focused, but I think it's part of me to figure out from a different perspective, is there a different way of doing this? Um, I am not the type of person if someone, and I think everyone who is a colleague of mine knows never to say, this is the way we've always done it because I cannot stand that phrase. It just, it, it's not, just because it's the way you've done it, it doesn't mean it can't be done better, differently, or from a fresh perspective. Right. And so what are some of the things on that menu from your perspective, or maybe you don't want to narrow it down at this time, it's still early, but I imagine, of course, based on at least the CBC survey and what we know about things that come into 311, there's got to be like noise issues, trash issues. What I mean, what else? I is think on that's that? right. I mean, I'm 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 just starting to look at it. The the staff is doing uh, an in-depth analysis. They're going to do a presentation um, in the next few days, and then I want to take that evaluation and I want to figure out operationally what's achievable. I mean, I, I love I I love. I wish I would be able to say I'm going to get rid of all the noise in New York City. I mean, we live in a city. You're, you're going sure. to have noise. But can we do better on um, after-hour construction noise? Can we do better, you know, in, in road work noise? Those are things we can manage. So I think I want to dive a little deeper to see not only the issue that's being raised, but why is it being raised? Because I think those are two things we need to look at together. Everyone's going to always complain about noise, right? But you know, what kind of noise? Mm -hmm. Can we get a little deeper? Is there something we can actually change? Let me ask you. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but, you know, the thing that's also fascinating to me when I when we did this survey and looking at the results at a community board level were how, you know, some issues may be citywide issues, but they're not issues in specific areas. No, you're absolutely right. right. And so that allows you to then say, okay, but we're going to target our resources here. This doesn't have to be a universal approach. It needs to be, as you said, problem solving for these areas where it is a problem. No, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, please. and I'll just give you one example that data, that working with data um, really brings us to the local level. And, and I know no one besides me likes to talk about rats because that's one of the main, main <laughs> initiatives that the mayor asked me to undertake when I first got here. It was like my third week here. And I was like, how am I going to solve a rat problem, you know? But what we did is... You didn't quit, at least. I, I didn't quit. And it, but it was, it was fascinating in that using the data, because we have a wonderful data from the health department on because of our indexing program for rat in, uh, indexing. So instead of trying to solve the problem citywide, right, I looked at the areas where the, there was the most concentration of the problem and the presence of rats. And we did uh, Lower East Side, uh, Chinatown. We did uh, uh, Bed-Stuy and Bushwick and Grand Concourse. So we just started with three. And we, we created mitigation zones. And basically, just through everything we had at that, from sanitation, more trash pickup, um, looking at schools, working with schools to try to figure out how they better manage their trash because a lot of it is food waste. 
um, looking at all, all the NYCHA facilities in there because what we found, some of the amazing things we found, is um, a lot of the NYCHA facilities have dirt basements. So rats are just burrowing in through the basements. So what we've, we've done is we're in the process now of cementing, and actually they're called rat pads, we're calling them rat pad cementing, um, all those basements to stop. And then the, the, the last thing we did, which is you can see they, they make fun of me at City Hall about how passionate I am about solving this problem, is a couple years ago uh, we were using dry ice to help exterminate rats and uh, the uh, state and federal government said, oh, it's not a pesticide, you're not allowed to do it. And, but we found it was very effective. So what we did, I said, well, let's try to re-energize that. So we worked with the state. And the funny thing is, within like two months, we got it approved as a pesticide. However, no one thought we could ever do it that fast. So the manufacturer couldn't make it. <laughs> so, um, so I know I'm being a little long-winded. So that's a, no, that's an operational challenge, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so now, now, they're, now they're making it. And we actually did a little press conference where we showed the uh, NYCHA facility, that, the application of it. But just back to it, you know, in some communities, rats are not a huge problem. By using data and trying to localize, we can learn what works best instead of do, just doing a blanket thing throughout the city where you might not see the results, figure out what you need to do differently. Um, so that's one approach that I'm trying to look at things, exactly looking at data and try to figure out geographically how can we solve those problems. So what I was going to ask is, is you know, talking about sort of quality life, operational, nuts and bolts city issues, I wanted to throw a couple things at you and ask, if it's something you're looking at or if it's something you're sure. involved in. So one is this is this trash pickup issue. The question, you know, I know there's been some discussion of that with the sanitation commissioner, but, uh, you know, you see people, the city's obviously booming and lots of people, you know, there's more takeout of food, you know, all these things that lead to more trash, right? And so these overflowing trash cans on corner, is that something that's an operational thing that that is your... It, it is, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, often there's many pictures I take of trash in areas that get sent to the sanitation commissioner, who, who is fabulous at her job, and she is very creative and very dedicated. Um, so, so yes, in those areas, a couple things. If we see that trash bins are overflowing, we could either look to do more service, um, or we can look to partner with perhaps our bids. Um, that they can actually empty the trash bin, put the bag next to it, put a new bag in. Often you'll see that. You'll see a couple bags yep. next to a trash bin. That's the business improvement district. Correct, business mm -hmm. improvement district. Um, and the other thing we're doing, um, because I think those wire baskets are not only unsightly, the ones on the corner, the old, old ones, but also trash spills out of them. It is a field day for, for, uh, for rats and other, other vermin. So we're actually doing a competition now to, to redesign those trash baskets to be um, more better looking, but also more functional with regards to containing trash so it's not falling over into the street. So um, we're hoping to pilot, I believe, three different models throughout the city um, and have a little competition as to what will be the future garbage, you know, pail um, on the corner. So you know, try to make it fun, try to get people involved in things. I think it's, it's, a, it's a fun way to do it, but also you get the community involved in it. But I think if we have better trash cans, and that will help contain the trash so that it won't be, you know, spilling out over to the side. But it's working with our local partners, and also we change trash pickup routes and frequency when we need to do it. And, and Commissioner Garcia is constantly evaluating that. And the other one I'll ask you about is, is back to this congestion issue. Um, you mentioned the idea of, of blocking lanes because of construction permits or other permits and delivery hours. 
Are there other things? Um, bus lane, you mentioned there is an enforcement element. I mean, operationally in your office, what's your purview there in terms of not only getting just broadly traffic moving, but especially the buses. Is that something that is directly sure, you look sure. at? Sure, sure. So uh, transportation falls within my portfolio uh, where enforcement is really on the police department side. Where I don't oversee the police department, I work very closely with the traffic enforcement section of the police department. So they, they and DOT work together hand in hand. So I think if I could solve the congestion problem, um, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out solutions, especially as I walk around and, and drive around the city. But I think it's uh, better enforcement. I think we're looking at options for uh, to stop double parking, especially for deliveries. Um, a lot of it has to be we're looking to see if there's more commercial unloading zones that we can um, open up, but also try to have people clear out of those zones quicker so other deliveries can be made. We're working with large buildings to try to see if we can pilot after-hour deliveries, overnight deliveries, um, and, and incentivize that in many, in many different ways. And we're also uh, enforcing people parking in the bus lanes. Now there's been an uptick in, in what we're doing an awareness campaign about it, but also there have been uh, quite a few uh, more violations that we're issuing because we got to get those bus lanes clear Otherwise, the, the, it won't work. But it's, it's really uh, the massive amount of vehicles that are in the, in the city right now. And I know you're aware that we just went through working with city council, this whole pause that we took to allow for hired vehicles to issue, to issue more licenses. We were seeing that. We were issuing 2,000 licenses a month for Uber and Lyft and Via at all. That's not, that's not sustainable, 2,000 a month new licenses. So... With a lot of um, uh, you know uh, pushback, we did issue a pause, and TLC and DOT together are doing a study right now to figure out what was the impact of that, air quality, quality of life, traffic, um, and to see where we go after the year pause of what policy options we can have to make sure that people are still served where they need transportation, but not in a way that we're flooding the city and and no one's benefiting because no the drivers aren't making any money. The, the yellow cabs aren't making any money, and we just have so much congestion. The delivery one, I think, is a fascinating one because that's that's something I think it's under-discussed. There's so much more Amazon delivery. Absolutely. The, um, Absolutely. You know, food delivery that people are getting, their groceries, those have exploded in the last few years. So I think, I think you know, again, I don't have data in front of me, but I think that's, a, that's also Big issue. a significant Big issue. No, it's really the economy is really changing, yeah. and we're sort of lagging behind on thinking through what those impacts are, and so we're trying to deal with them as they're happening instead absolutely. of having been, you know, forward-looking a few years ago. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, so much of what you said is focused on improving services and making them more effective. So in the last few minutes, I just want to touch on something else, which is the efficiency aspect of mm -hmm. it and the cost, right? So one of the things the CBC, you know, and, and we should say, right, compared to other state and even local government, and local governments particularly, New York City publishes just an astounding amount of data. Um, it may not be the perfect data that all wants want, but it is astounding and it's very impressive, right? Um, but what's missing in the MMR that we've sort of identified is this unit cost, right? Mm -hmm. How much it costs to throw away that ton of, of trash or to recycle that ton of trash. And one of the reasons we think that's important is it allows for benchmarking, right? So you can look at how much it costs in Philadelphia or Nassau or Suffolk and kind of put it together to figure out, oh, are we doing a good job or not? Are we being efficient? Does it cost too much? What are other places doing? I mean, you just got here. <laughs> you 
you already got a lot on your plate. Um, but, it, you know, do you, do you think about maybe moving a little bit more in that direction in, you know, the last few years of the de Blasio administration and making this something you tackle? Um, I think it's a good point. I think it's a valid point. Uh, I have a fiscal background from being the state budget director, so I probably look at um, agencies' budgets a lot closer perhaps than other people would have in this position. Once again, I'm, I'm not sure the agencies appreciate that so much. So I think it's a, a fair point. I tend to focus, you write the same way, on the, the macro level of making sure that we are staying within um, budget constraints. We are getting you know, uh, procurement that are rational as well as you know, uh, making sure that there's competition out there to keep prices down. Um, so I, I think looking at the per unit level, I think we can do that in some areas. I'm not sure you can do it across the board. Right. I think it would be challenging to do that. And I think the thing to keep in mind, too, is it, it's often would be difficult to compare it to other places, like you said, you know, Nassau or Suffolk. Um, New York City is just a, a, a different beast. Um, so so we, even if we had the comparison, I'm fearful that it could be misconstrued as the fact that we are, we're not as efficient as Nassau and Suffolk might be. Or maybe we are in certain areas, but I think it's hard when you have to make sure the comparison is apples to apples. As right. I, would say. I mean, so it's, you're not, I think you're never going to get a perfect comparison. No, and, not. you know, sometimes we've often said, yes, the scale of New York City is greater than all other cities in this country. Perhaps there are international comparisons that were valid, right, in terms of or scale. Other, or, other or, big, or other big cities. So it'll never be perfect. Nassau and Suffolk relevant, I think, a little bit because the labor costs might be the same. Um, but, you know, having the kind of array there to take a look and say, okay, what's different about what's being done here is just instructive, if nothing else. So we're in our last two minutes here with Laura England, the Deputy Mayor for Operations. Thanks again for being here. Um, I think probably my last question, I, I know that operationally one of the major challenges of the Devise administration, mostly before you arrived, was the rollout of pre-K. Mm. Um, and that obviously had so many different components to it, various agencies and entities that you mentioned, and, and others as well, of course. Um, in terms of contracts and space and moving people and, and all that stuff. Um, so I'll just use that as background. Currently, um, there's obviously the 3K and there, there's all sorts of things on that, but uh, shifting towards more of the housing um, pr uh, plan and even the homelessness plan because mm -hmm. that obviously involves a lot of moving pieces that are operational. So if you could maybe just explain from your role on those two fronts, the affordable housing plan and the homelessness plan. And, and for those that are not familiar on homelessness, I'm talking a lot about this idea of opening new shelters around mm -hmm. the city and closing out the cluster sites and things like that. There was obviously some good recent reporting on that. Um, I think it curbed, but, um, but if you could just talk a little bit about your role in those two efforts. Sure. So uh, obviously housing falls under Deputy Mayor Glenn's portfolio and homelessness falls under Deputy Mayor Palacio's portfolio. But obviously we all work together and have things that we add value to to the process. Um, for example, when we're looking at um, siting shelters, we have a a real estate arm to New York City that can help try to locate properties um, that might be feasible to um, site a new building or shelter. So DCAS could help with that. In addition, we can make sure that um, the houses and uh, or houses are in good structure. We have a construction arm that does that. 
um, looking at working with utilities, working with the community. So it, it's more of, for me, not the program aspect of it, but the physical aspect of it with regards to that. I think with regards to um, housing, affordable housing, uh, I think similarly, um, one of the, the things we're looking at is an inventory of uh, city-owned land, which as you know, when we're trying to, to site new affordable housing, real estate's at a sure, we don't have a lot of excess real estate. So what we're trying to do is looking at, let's see, our, our large facilities that we might have for sanitation or transportation or Department of Environmental Protection. Is there land that we're using that perhaps we can consolidate, right, so that we can free up some land, which now the city owns, so that's not a cost that we have to bear and make it an incentive for, for developers. So there's, there's aspects like that. So whatever, whatever touches the physical need of it will typically come to me. Um, but I think Deputy Mayor Glenn, you know, really does a great job and, and works very closely with us on trying to figure out as partners um, what, we are, what we are able to do and where we can site, where we can make sure when we site new buildings that we can service those either with sewers or um, garbage pickup and stuff like that. So it's not only let's just site a new building, we have to make sure that we can actually service that new building. Right, and, some of the things that big thinking right. program people might not always uh, fire, have. Fire service too. Mm -hmm. do, we have, do we have to make sure that we have enough resources in an area if you're going to put up some very large buildings we have to make sure people don't think about that that you have to make sure that you can actually um, the fire department within the, the the time that they feel you need to get to something that they can service that so i think we're going to leave it there I, I just um in our last 30 seconds you mentioned looking at some of the it issues and the quality of life charge that the mayor's giving you and some of these other things we discussed is there anything we didn't ask you that you're focused on a lot these days that um, you want to let people know about? I mean, some of the, the main issues were focused on um, construction worker safety. Um, we're seeing an increase in um, falling workers and falling materials, and it's contributing to too many deaths. So we've launched a, a new construction worker safety program. Um, the city will also be a trainer, so we're going to require uh, uh, construction workers to get 40 hours worth of training. And for those workers who can't afford to do it, um, the city will provide them that training free of charge. So that's that was through some new legislation, through, right? You're, yeah, you're through, operationalizing it. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. Um, obviously, we talked about um, congestion a lot, Vision Zero, one of the main platforms, and we're so proud of that program, and Commissioner Trottenberg has done a great job. And then um, one of the, the newer things that I'm focusing on is really um, cybersecurity falls within my portfolio. So we just want to put a plug. We just launched a new app called NYC Secure. You can download it on the stores. And basically, if you are using public Wi-Fi, it scans that Wi-Fi to make sure that it's safe and secure. It will tell you when it's not and tell you how to fix it. If something gets on your phone, that's not supposed to be there. You'll start seeing advertisements for that near in the future. But I downloaded the other day, checked my phone, and my phone was just perfect. Okay. So, so, uh, so interesting things like we're trying to do there. Okay, very good. Well, Laura England, Deputy Mayor for Operations in, uh, under Mayor Bill de Blasio, thank you so much for the time. It's been, it's been good talk. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Everyone should check out the MMR. It's on the website of the Office of Operations. And if you want to see some pretty graphs, you can come to the CBC website to see a lot of the data placed next to the spending on um, something we call the money meter. Thanks thank for you. listening. Bye.